Welcome to the Televerse, the podcast just for TV. Because it's great, we're lucky they make so many fine programs to see. Your host, Owen Kate, like to debate the merits of all that they've seen. Comedy, genre, reality, drama, and anything that's in between. Welcome to the Televerse, less of the show. Hello and welcome to the Televerse. This is Kate Kalzig, joined as ever by Noel Kirkpatrick. Noel, it's, it's more finales. They keep coming. I know, and and then they're they just keep coming because now TV is an endless cycle, Kate. It's just yeah. an endless cycle. It never stops. Remember mm. when there were reruns? <laughs> yeah, are you, are I I do. Enough, are you old enough to remember reruns? Of course, I remember reruns because I also remember if you haven't seen it, it's new to you. Which is what NBC <laughs> that was such did. A good. That was such a good promotional gambit on their part. Because there was the time. Back in the day when you might not have seen it, because if you didn't watch it that week, you you couldn't see it any other way. So yes, no, I I remember mm-hmm. I remember reruns well. Um, I and looking in the next like the schedule for the next several weeks, or just and just like the list of the shows, uh, it is going to start thinning out at least for me, yeah, a little bit. But um, Queen Sugar's back like next week. Yep. Uh, uh, Gr- Grownish is back. What else is back? Several more shows are back very soon, sooner than I expected. Yeah, which is good. I mean, I I kind of looked at this week and went, oh, this is kind of thin. And then I was just like, well, that means I can catch up on Cloak and Dagger finally, which had its finale this week. And yeah, I have next week watched barely will, any of. <laughs> I will I will have it for next week, Vince. It will happen. We will talk about it. <laughs> oh, so you're committing me to. Cloak and Dagger and whatever we're doing for no, the spotlight I'm next committing week. me to Cloak and Dagger. <laughs> okay. Not okay. You. You've already watched more than I have. I have yeah, seen but I don't remember any of it. of it. Well, I remember that you liked what they were doing with, I. is it Mayhem? See, because I yes, say Mayhem, it, I go to a drag race place, so. Yeah, no, no, no. I did like what they were doing with that, but I just don't remember anything else that they were doing, so okay. I should probably just start over from the beginning. No, 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 don't do that. Because if you're going to do that, you need to start over from the beginning with Shit's Creek. Because did I spend this week catching up on Jane the Virgin or catching up on uh, Cloak and Dagger or catching up on like any of the shows I'm behind on? No. Well, Killing Eve. But no. Instead, I watched four seasons of Shit's Creek and it's amazing and it's so good. And it's like one of my favorite shows now. And I really like season five, which I watched while it was airing, as people listening will remember. But I like it even more now. And one of, I tweeted about this, one of the couples on the show, Noel, is like, they're vying Hollywood levels. Like, okay. It's that good. I saw that tweet. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, I'm not allowed to pick it for the Make You Watchathon because I promised that I would pick something that had fewer episodes <laughs> after the last two years. But I can <laughs> strongly encourage or less you. intense episodes. <laughs> I can strongly encourage that you watch Shit's Creek and because it, mm-hmm. it's, so, it's so good. It's really good. I watched four seasons in like three days. Granted, I wasn't feeling well, but still, like... It's not like I was off from work. It just was like everything I did when I wasn't working or sleeping. Um, and I don't regret it at all because it was wonderful. Um, so, yes, I am. F- and I think back to my, my first comments and diving in with the season five finale. And I can still see what where I was coming from with what I said about it, which was like these that the people just feel very just terrible. Um, but I was completely wrong, like our listener said. And and it 
shows the strength of the show over the course. Like they know their characters so well at the start of season five that they don't feel the need to try to make you like them just because mm-hmm. it's a premiere. They trust that you know who they are and then they just let them be themselves. And uh, yeah. Yeah. Except for Roland. Roland's just bad, but that's okay. Not no show. Very few shows are perfect. I'm getting sidetracked. Uh, everyone watch It's Creek. I'll talk about it just a little bit later, but for now, we've got some TV news, and one some of that TV news, one of the things is that I can now cross Abby's off my catch-up list because Abby's just got canceled. Yeah, I did the same thing. I just went, oh, I really like you, show. I do. I legitimately do like that show based on like the four to five episodes of it I watched, and then I just stopped watching it, and mm-hmm. then I just never got back to it, and then I just went, oh, well... <laughs> It got canceled. Yeah, it was seriously, listeners, it was on my list. I have a list. I've, like, going back, like, I have a little note in in our podcast notes about, like, how many episodes back I have to go to start my fill in the gaps. And it's depressingly far back. Um, But it was on there with Better Things and uh, with with just a bunch of shows right now. Um, But now I don't think I will make the time just because there's so many other ones that aren't canceled. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's too bad. I was disappointed that apparently they're not even airing the last few episodes based on some tweets I was seeing. Oh, I, that's that's they don't have anything else to show, though. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe maybe they just meant that they're burning them off in a weekend or something. But yeah, mm-hmm. sorry to hear because that, that was a cast I really enjoyed in those few episodes that I saw. But. Alas, um, they also canceled The Village and, and this is NBC, by the way, and The Enemy Within. And I saw a bunch of people disappointed that they canceled AP Bio. I, I mean, I don't, I don't watch any of those shows, but I mean, I, I like the cast on at least AP Bio. Yeah, the cast on AP Bio is good. Um, I never really liked the show, but I also had so many questions about how long are these kids going to be in AP Bio for? <laughs> Details. Um, <laughs> they're gonna they're gonna ap bio is a year-long class even if you're on like a semester schedule a semester block schedule in a high school so if each season was like a different semester they shouldn't still be there no. after the end of season two so was he just gonna get a whole new class of poor students who want to not take biology in college to torment yeah, there's a built-in shelf life even more than normal with that one yeah. that is strange. But, you know, not having watched the show, I can't really comment on it. Uh, I'm sure they had some creative and very self-aware uh, workarounds for that one. Um, but, yeah, and that's another one that one of these days someone will harass me into watching it and I'll have thoughts on it. But until then, it's I'm just, I'm just not interested. I would rather see that talented group of people on a different show. So, listeners, let me know if I'm wrong on this one. Like, I was on Shit's Creek and some other ones that I was just like, eh, I like the cast, but eh. Um, and I will check it out. But for right now, I'm not all that disappointed. I'm I'm not, you know, all the disappointed either in hearing apparently Adam Levine is leaving The Voice, which is actually for The Voice and for Voice fans. That is a huge thing. Yes. Um, that that he's been on the show for I think they're on season 15 or 16 because they keep doing two a year. Um, yep. and I used to watch that show every week and was actually rather impressed with Levine as a coach in the seasons that I watched. Granted, I came in with no opinion of him at all uh positive or negative so you know like that doesn't necessarily 
mean much. But uh, but I think that is going to be really interesting to see how secure the brand is for that in the, the next season because it really has been the Blake and Adam show for this whole time with the other two uh, uh, coaches kind of cycling out. So if they're able to maintain that momentum and keep the fan base without that, you know, that banter back and forth, that will be good for them. I wouldn't be surprised, though, if it starts to fade without having that um, that that energy between those two. Maybe they'll find somebody else. They have done a good job with who they've brought in. They've brought in some really big names and managed to give that show a longer shelf life than I would have anticipated. Right. I do think that losing Levine's probably going is going to be really interesting to see how they do. I do think that the fact that they've had Kelly Clarkson on for a little while helps to kind mm-hmm. of offset because Clarkson's a very big personality. And I say that in the best way possible because I really love her public persona a great deal. Mm-hmm. Um, she's delightful. If you haven't watched her get drunk with Seth Meyers, uh, watch her get drunk with Seth Meyers. Um, I was literally going to mention that it's so good. <laughs> it's very good. It's not as good as watching Seth get totally drunk um, with Ina Garden mm-hmm. um, when she's not getting drunk at all. Um, <laughs> but it's still really good. Uh, so I think that that kind of helps because she's she's deeply competitive. If you if anyone else checked out um, Hollywood Game Night when she's been on, she's super duper competitive. Um, and I think that she can help kind of offset a lot of the banter stuff because she's just so expressive and so big, but Levine and Shelton just have a very unique sort of bro bond that this show has mined for just 16 cycles. So losing him is going to be big. And I imagine that Blake's just going to be real sad. (laughs) That's first season when Adam's not there for him to mock. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm sure that they will come up with, something else to fill that but uh yes. it'll be interesting i'm certainly i will be watching to see what they do i'm actually curious in a way that i haven't been for a while not enough to watch no but uh curious nonetheless um and, and there's some other news but again it's more upfront stuff um are you curious at all about the cbs decision to air good fight season one this fall i mean that's the safe season to air um, <laughs> that's true I mean, you, you, that's just this, that's the safest one to air. And I mean, if they had done it earlier than this, um, I would have been like, I would like my CBS All Access money back, please. And thank you. I paid money to watch this. Um, but yeah, I, this was kind of writing on the wall. The person who took over CBS already said that I had already floated the idea of like, why aren't we showing this um, to drive viewers to our platform? And so I'm not surprised that they're showing this, but it's also literally the only season that they can show Um, because everything else is going to get real weird real fast, as you know and I know. (laughs) What? Talking backs? Nothing. That's not weird. China, CBS won't let us show this China segment that Jonathan Colton wrote a song about. (laughs) (laughs) Good times. Yeah, it'll be, if this... If this like kind of synergy between CBS and CBS All Access pays off, it'll be interesting to see what that means for uh, Discovery. It'll be interesting to see what that means for One Day at a Time, um, yeah. which they'll. It ha- I haven't heard anything in a while. The last thing I heard was that CBS All Access wanted it, but they weren't allowed to get it because it had to. Go- it couldn't go to a streamer. Yeah. All of that back and forth. Um, so if all of this just results in me getting more One Day at a Time, I'll just be happy. Um, and. Certainly more people watching Christine Baranski be fabulous in statement jewelry is a good thing. So, 
Oh, she's so good. She is so good. She is very, very good. Uh, you know what else is is very good? You know who else is very good? Phoebe Waller Bridge. Um, and we're a week behind some of the other shows here because uh, we wanted to have a little time to watch it. But uh, Fleabag season two came out last week, and we watched it, and it was, this is really good. And we're going to talk about it, and it's it's going to be really good. So <laughs> that's going to be our segment at the end of the show. Um, and do you have anything more articulate to say than I do? Because clearly, I don't. <laughs> I mean, if this were a video. Um, podcast i would just look at my camera and just give a knowing knowing look mm-hmm. and then turn back to you but since it's a podcast i can't do that yeah it's audio only so <laughs> alas alas no visual asides i feel like that is no like the jim halpert thing is still is like no longer my go-to at this point for that which uh yeah. which is nice so more on that at the end of the the podcast when we talk fleabag but for now let's take a break listen to the edge of glory by Lady Gaga, not the edge of forever, which I put in my review over at the AV Club to my <gasps> oh, no. shame. Uh, which, because in my defense, it was like one thirty in the morning. I had I was going on like four hours of sleep. I was absolutely exhausted and uh, apparently missed some other typos after proofreading twice. So horribly embarrassed by that. Uh, the and of like twenty commenters felt the need to point that out. Um, but no, that's that's my bad. So it, the song is The Edge of Glory, not The Edge of Forever, which is a Star Trek podcast I enjoy. Um, and uh, yeah, I just connected that right now that that's where that came from in my tired, okay. tired brain. Anyways, let's listen to some Lady Gaga and we'll come back and talk about our week in TV. We'll be right back after this. That was the lip sync battle royale finale, I guess, for the drag race finale. Uh, this, of course, was uh, The Edge of Glory by Lady Gaga. For me, still the my, my go to for this is still Broad City, as much as I did enjoy the, the, the drag race finale. Um, but it's a lovely song either way. This week in TV, we're going to be talking about the Archer 1999 premiere, Bort the Garge. Then we have the uh, What We Do in the Shadows finale ancestry then noel's gonna talk a bit about jane the virgin chapter 91 because i'm i'm still behind i'm sorry guys Uh, next week hopefully um then i'll talk a bit about the drag race finale grand finale noel's gonna talk agents of shield fear and loathing on the planet kitson and then we'll talk elementary last week's premiere as well as gut shot and the killing eve finale you're mine um so first up is the archer 1999 premiere board the garage so last season of archer this is season 10 season 9 was their danger island season which started promisingly enough but then very quickly lost steam how are you feeling about this space set season uh, so far, Noel, based on this premiere? Do you feel like this is uh, more 
like fruitful vein for them to explore? Or are you leery that maybe we're going to have the same pattern? I'm worried we're going to have the same pattern. I was kind of excited about the opening of this Mm -hmm. particular episode um, because it's a bunch of alien jokes. And I love alien. It's my favorite. (laughs) And I was just like, oh, right. So we're going to get some alien stuff. We're going to get some mother jokes. It's going to be real good. I'm going to enjoy this. We're going to have jokes about cryopods. It's going to be great. I'm here for it. And I'm here for Archer and Mother uh-huh. um, scheming against the rest of the crew here. And I, I'm, I like all of that. And then a weird alien shows up and it doesn't go anywhere. And then we're immediately back to Barry already. And I'm like, but, but I wanted you guys to stay on the sh- Oh, fine. I do think that there's a lot of stuff that they can mine in this genre, even more than doing a Danger Island type of thing or an adventure pulp thing. I think putting this group into space where they go into space a lot anyway, um, I think that there's plenty of stuff for them to do. And I feel like that this cast is, and these characters, even if you turn one of them into a giant rock being of some kind, is still going to work really well, I think. Um, but I don't, I, I, after Danger Island, I just lack confidence. So we'll see. I like the, I like the idea of them being in space enough to stick with it for a little while, but this did not give me a great deal of hope. Um, how did you feel about it? I liked, uh, a lot. I like a lot of the setup. Um, and I actually enjoyed Board the Garge and just like that design and the vocal performance was just, uh, it, I think it was, it was just different enough to throw the characters off their game a little bit and, and it could be a lot of fun. Um, however, I agree. We're, we're right back to Barry. We have Mother is no longer the, the floating ore, but looks like Mallory again. I guess, I'm guessing that's a budget thing. Um, but it, it, that's just disappointing. The, the, you know, to really succeed with these, you got to embrace the trappings entirely, which is why I feel like the noir worked so much better than Danger yes. Island. And the fact that they ran out of steam with the premise of Danger Island, um, you know, in this like pulp adventure thing and fighting Nazis in the jungle, like, how do you run out of steam with that? <laughs> There's so much there. And yet they did. So, um, the fact that the setup, I think, in the first part of this episode is very strong and the, like, the, there's so much that they could do is really exciting. But yeah, I, I'm, I'm much less confident than I used to be with Archer. I used to feel like no matter what, they always get into these ridiculous hijinks, but the writing and the, the, the rapport these characters have established at this point of the show is so reliable that I'll pretty much enjoy whatever I, whenever I tune in. And, I still enjoy whenever I tune in, but it's just slipped so far down my list of must watch. Um, I didn't realize it was coming back. It just popped up on my DVR. I was like, oh, okay, I, I guess I should watch this because it's a premiere. Um, but if I was behind, there's no way I would. It, it just kind of makes me sad, the, the, the way that Archer has shifted in my viewing. So I hope that this is a rejuvenating kind of season for them and that they get a lot of energy out of the setup and the, the genre and everything. But... Um, but the fact that by the end of the episode, it feels like we're back into too many of the same beats, that is not a great sign for me. Yeah, and I understand sort of wanting to do this big archetypal sort of thing with Archer now, but mm-hmm. 
there's a difference between telling archetypal stories and just feeling really repetitive. And I think Archer is veered into being really repetitive, um, at least with what it wants to say and do. Because there's, again, going back to the noir stuff, there was they were doing some semi-interesting things with Barry there that kind of elevated that concept. But it didn't, they haven't found a different way to say anything else about Barry. And that's really frustrating. And well, I I, will see if we tune tune back in later in the season. Maybe we'll check in with it if we're still watching or if there's a particular episode that we're struck by. But yeah, this one is going to be hard for me to keep up with with at this point um, in my viewing. Um, There's too many other things that I need to see first, but you know, I hope I hope that I am back three weeks from now, super stoked about Archer. I would yes, love to be same. very excited about Archer again. Uh, however, I am very excited by the what we do in the shadows finale, ancestry, um, and this this thread that has sort of been in the background for a few episodes that comes roaring back to the front um, in this finale that Guillermo is is a vampire hunter whether he wants to be or not um yeah the guillermo van helsing is a delightful way to turn the familiar and something that i really look forward to uh coming back in season two what did you think of this what we did in the shadows finale i really liked it as sort of a capper to the tensions of between uh nandor and guillermo and guillermo really in the entire like group but um, it it provides a good elevation of the threat and also the tension between everyone. Of uh, Guillermo cannot even deny his genes of like even when he's just casually tossing <laughs> those <laughs> those um those garden garden um garden spikes stakes um stakes. Thank you, garden stakes. They all like hit the portraits perfectly dead on and it's just it's a very good visual gag to end on and so i really enjoyed that because it also like helps to recontextualize all his accidents in killing the other vampires that they show us at during this episode but it just kind of helps to recontextualize that and make it really good and i'm very eager to see what happens with guillermo going forward because now all of his frustrations about not being made a vampire, he suddenly has this way of pushing back against them in another way of like, and I like that idea and the insecurities and the tension that that will hopefully, and I'm saying tensions a lot, so I'm going to stop talking in just a second, um, that that brings forward amongst all of them. So I really enjoyed that little twist. Yeah. I also, of course, enjoyed the return of Jake McDormand and Gregor at the reveal that, uh, that, <gasps> Laszlo has just been killing Gregor over and over again. Like, it's ridiculous and it's played just the right way to be like, yes, I was also there in the middle of a ship in the middle of the ocean. Like, doesn't make when any I was sense. The horse? Who cares? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good times. Uh, yeah, I think that's, you know, this season, the first season has been a lot of fun. It hasn't stuck the landing as well as I might have hoped. Um, but I think that there's a lot here and watching them kind of figure out what has been working and what needs some tweaking in the next season. Um, I think, I think, I think it's been a successful first season. I think we've been a little spoiled with first seasons of comedies recently because there've been a number that were just amazing and brilliant right out the gate. And this is not that, but there's, it's been 
really reliable and it's done a really solid job of establishing the world and the characters and the, the different comedic styles and beats for them. And I'm really optimistic about season two and the potential they have to go in some different directions. So, so I, th- I feel like it was a solid finale and with some really interesting stuff, like you said, with Guillermo and a fun capper to some of the dynamics with everybody else. Yeah. It's something I wouldn't have expected the show to do honestly. Like, I was a little surprised at the Van Helsing sort of thing. And I really like that they're willing to do that. And I'm really curious to see how they're going to push that and make it their own in a way that feels like a real expansion of the world. Um, yeah. Yeah. So we'll see. We'll probably be back. I will I will be back. Will you be back for season two? Yeah, no, absolutely. I will definitely be back. And if I won't be, then my person will be, by which I'll end up watching it anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, how are you feeling about Jane the Virgin? Right now we're on chapter 91 out of a final 100 chapters, so we're getting close to the finale here. What did you think of episode 10 this this week? So I wanted to kind of check in on Jane because back in chapter 88, they made they ended the love triangle. They made a decision. Mm-hmm. And so that decision has been reverberating basically since chapter 88. And So we're still kind of navigating whether or not the show's intended OTP is actually going to end up the OTP at this point. Though they're also just teasing the Petra and Jane shippers real hard right now. (laughs) And it's mean, uh, since I'm one of those people. (laughs) But one of the other reasons I wanted to kind of um, circle around to it is that they've entered into another phase of Jane's professional development in terms of We find out that she only became a published author because Rogelio offered to cover the publisher's losses if it didn't hit 10,000 copies sold. And that's the only reason she got published. Oh, that's horrible. Why would they do that to her? Yeah, it's super bad. And it's part of like the frustration that's sort of percolating this episode, especially because... um, the network decided to pass on the remake of um, the passions of um, Steve and Brenda um, with uh, River Fields um, because it just wasn't working for them. They needed a younger crowd. And Jane came up with the brilliant idea to this is us it. So they do younger versions of the two leads characters in the past to show how they met, fell in love and all this. But in the present, well, sorry, in the future, they're like the co-presidents of Mars um, and all this sort of really silly, zany stuff um, because the network also wanted sci-fi elements. So they came up with, this is Mars. <laughs> and so there's all of this silliness going on that Jane's, tr- Jane's really inspired with her next book, but she's also writing the pilot, basically, or co-writing the pilot because Judy Reyes' character comes back to also write the pilot. Um, so... Obviously, Judy Reyes is back, and that's good for every show. Mm -hmm. And so just exploring this tension between um, Rogelio and Jane in a very different sort of way, and in a very, like, professional sort of way, as opposed to just a kind of meddling sort of way, and a well-intentioned meddling to a, but this this was me achieving something. And the navigation about how this is going to work and what this means as a parent and all that sort of stuff is really very much here. So I want to check in just because I wanted to mention that shift into something else. And I'm curious to see how they're going to keep playing this up. 
and what they're going to say um, as they try to navigate towards that OTP, but also what Jane's ultimate professional stance is going to be when the show ends. Um, there's also some good stuff happening with Mateo and them finally acknowledging that he has ADHD, which I feel like we should have gotten to that point a little sooner than this, but it's also good drama for her and uh, Raphael. So all of that's still happening. And then the Louisa Rose stuff is also percolating and coming to a head and it's still real boring and not super compelling. And there's a heel turn here that's just like, whatever show, whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm as, since I'm behind, I can't really have, I can't have an informed opinion. I can't really have a valid opinion, Um, but it, it bothers me. It makes me upset at the show that they would take that from Jane. So I yeah. really hope I catch up and am no longer upset with the writers. Um, yeah. So we'll see. More on that hopefully next week, listeners, when I catch up with Jane and also, uh, oh, yeah, uh, Cloak and Dagger for next week. But for now, let's talk a little bit about the Drag Race finale, Grand Finale. Are you planning to watch or do you not really care? No, I'm going to watch. Um, my person I will probably watch tonight or okay. on Sunday, but we don't have time on Saturday. So we'll probably watch it tonight when she gets home, maybe, I think. Okay. Um, so I do I do kind of care, okay. but I also don't want to know so I don't, that we have a shared experience. Okay, so mm -hmm. I will, okay, I will say who wins the first two lip syncs, but not who wins overall. Because okay. who wins the first two lip syncs is very obvious. Uh, so I don't feel like I'm spoiling anything for you there. So the finale was okay. It was, uh, I mean, I, I think it was, a, it was a solid, straightforward finale. Um, nowhere near as good as season nine with Sasha and Peppermint and, and like all of that amazingness. Um, better, was much better than the whole butterfly catastrophe in season 10. So, I mean, I feel it's squarely in between those two. The, uh, the, there's too much filler. Uh, most of the filler is entertaining though. Like I had fun with all the filler this time, which I liked. They, instead of having a, like a surprise, like phone call or message from a celebrity for each of the final queens they brought back one of the guest judges over the season or a prominent figure and had them like banter with the mm -hmm. one of the queens in a like a pre-taped thing and that okay. was okay i like the other thing better but i have a feeling yeah. that they might run into trouble if they if there's a queen nobody likes for example um they might have trouble getting fans of anywhere approaching the same tier i mean when you've got rihanna and aoc reaching out to someone who didn't make the finale um and if you can't find anyone approaching that level for your actual finalists i could see how that might be a problem for the brand yeah. you know um so maybe that's why that happens uh vanjie gets her own segment which is fun but also it just points to them going like yep we clearly know vanjie is a star and we we misjudged the season, guys. We misjudged the season. We should have had Nina in the finale. We should not have had probably Silky in the finale. But eh, um, Nina wins Miss Congeniality. Uh, there's so she, her her little speech is very fun. I won't spoil it. Um, so you got her her reaction for that is really is entertaining. There's a lot of really great looks, and for I me, I really hope she's not surprised by winning Miss Congeniality. <laughs> oh well, I mean like. 
no one else has a mic on and she has a mic on. So I, come on. I mean, like, I mean, maybe all the queens have mics. They don't all have mics. Um, so, so like everybody knew she was going to win. Um, but the, you know, she's still very gracious and, uh, it was a nice little moment. The, the, the looks though, I think for me, the lip syncs were okay. The last lip sync was the best one. Um, but the, there were some really impressive looks and that, made it really exciting and fun to watch to see what everybody's going to sort of pop up in. And now at this point, there's like 140 different queens, more than that, I think, that have been on the show. Watching the finale and just like, it's also spotting the looks in the crowd of the alumni, yeah. you know, is so much fun. Um, so, so I enjoyed it. It shouldn't be an hour and a half. It really should just be an hour. It would help it so much if it was just an hour. Um, I don't know what they would do for the, maybe like a half hour, like, like they could do a pre-show red carpet kind of thing and in you know with the different returning queens and stuff like i feel like there's a lot they could do with that maybe to help pad it out but 90 minutes when you have three like two to three minute lip syncs and that's it <laughs> for content um that's, that's you can't do 90 minutes in that uh, of that so you know it, it gets a little it gets a little tired so you could definitely just like watch the lip syncs on youtube and go from there but for the lip syncs, they had really good songs. Um, it's Bootylicious, SOS, and uh, Edge of Glory. And uh, like it, this is where their budget for the lip syncs is going, clearly, and I support that. The first lip sync, um, Silky, again, like, just taking off a wig is not a reveal. I feel like I've heard this from, I want to say his friend of the show, Alison Shoemaker, was telling me this. It could have been for the show, Caroline Sita. Um, but, like, Sasha needs to hold a masterclass on, here's what a reveal is. It is a narrative storytelling moment. It is not, now I'm going to just change into another outfit because. You have to time it to something in the music. You have to time it to the escalation of the energy of the music. It can't. It shouldn't just be, and I'm going to go into a split. The fact that it's not on a downbeat doesn't matter that's ridiculous it's gotta there's some basics there that i think are disappointing now granted silky did a better job than she did in her most recent lip sync but she gets out revealed big time by the person she's up against i'll leave that vague the other um uh the other lip sync is uh and she is fine but again it's not next level enough so while the 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 her lip sync is uh solid there's nothing memorable about it and i appreciate that the queen who won that one didn't actually have really any reveals or anything they just Mm -hmm. performed because so uh, they're also obsessed with reveals at this point because of sasha yeah that they are missing the point of it it's to create a moment and that's what that takes me to the final lip sync which uh was brooke and, and evie again as Everybody anticipated it would be. Um, Brooke does a good job. Uh, Evie, uh, Brooke has more, obviously, as a dancer, she can, she's much more physical with it. Um, she, it, it's a good song for that kind of movement. So yeah. it plays to her strengths with that. Evie does not do any of the reveals. Brooke walks out in like a, this giant black thing that literally says reveal, reveal, reveal. It's time for the reveal <laughs> all over it, which is delightful. Um, Evie does not do a traditional reveal and instead just like it's all the focus is on this amazing headpiece that she has, um, that I will let you discover as you watch. And the 
as for the winner, I feel like it was a good choice. I think it was earned and deserved based on the performance in the final lip sync. And uh, I we could talk about it more freely next week. I'm ready. <laughs> I'm so ready for a hiatus, though. I'm so ready yeah. to take a break from writing the recaps. So it's, it's much fun as I have had and as much as I've enjoyed it. Um, I'm very excited to not either be writing all day Thursday or be up until the wee hours of Friday, depending on the screener availability ahead of time. And I'm also ready just to have some time off from Drag Race. When it's this repetitive, when they have, because we're in season 11 now, they have the formula down, right? They know what works. They know what they want to do. And it's just a matter of like maybe tweaking here and there to streamline the process or to adjust to a different set of queens. But what that means is, it's going to be even easier to get tired of the formula and going from all stars right into the, the new season for the second year in a row is really exhausted, at least me as a fan. And I need some time off. Um, they're going to, they're planning to do that again with all stars five and season 12. Uh, currently, at least that's what we're anticipating. And um, I, I think they need to rest all stars for a season, but I don't think they will because it earns them too much money. So, I, I am antici- I am anticipating a fun All Stars five based on some of the casts castings that have like leaked, but um like Shay's apparently going to be back, which is amazing, and there's some other queens that I really enjoy. Miss Cracker is, is one of them, and I think uh, Mayhem or maybe Asia. Um, there are some some queens I really like that are going to be in the mix or rumored to be in the mix. So I'm sure by the time I have like the summer off and come back in the fall, I'll be more excited. But for now, it was a solid finale. They've certainly done worse. They've definitely done better. Um, but I, I think the biggest thing is with the way that they mishandled the or misread the queens and who should deserve to be pegged for final four right at the beginning of the season and who didn't. Um, I think the producers need to be a little more careful next time about um, their favorites, I guess. Does that make sense? It totally makes sense. Yeah. So they should, because it's, it results in a really lopsided season this year. Yeah, definitely. Um, okay, more, more on that once you've had a chance to see it. Now, please talk to me a little bit about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Fear and Loathing on the Planet Kitson. Right, so one of the things that I'm kind of enjoying about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. this season, but particularly in this episode, is that they kind of went, wow, they made space really weird in the Marvel movies. We should embrace that. And so their answer has been... Okay, well let's let's have let's have Fitz and Enoch go to a planet that's basically just Vegas because there's <laughs> literally a character that says what stays on the planet Kitson stays on the planet Kitson, Daisy suggests, and the person follows up with no burns and is contagious. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So the them embracing this idea of that space is weird, I think is really good, but they don't have the budget necessarily to do space is weird. So instead, Daisy and Gemma get super high while they're about to go say fits. So to make visually interesting their whole very small casino set that they have for this lavish planet, that's not particularly good set. 
they mainly have the two of them high and do a lot of like stuff with like fisheye lenses and like those sorts of like light based special effects as well and lens based special effects to really sell it. And there's a lot of humor there and there's a lot of silliness, but it's also just a generally entertaining episode because while the two of them are high and trying to say Fitz, uh, Fitz and Enoch are having their own sort of like tensions as um, would be friends slash compatriots in this scenario so there's a lot of really good humor stuff happening here um they are dedicated to keeping Fitz and Simmons apart because this episode ends with them almost being reunited and then Fitz being dragged away by what appears to be a time cop um which is what I think not Coulson is um Uh, it's a little it's still a little yeah yeah um because the preview has him going after Deke um and it's it's like mm, that seems like something that makes sense. So I think that's kind of where they're gearing up to like have all of these threads already coalesce. But this entire episode's in space. It's very funny. It's very silly, and I just like the embrace of the Marvel weirdness of or that little particular brand of Marvel weirdness. But because of who Agents of Shield, what Agents of Shield is, they do have that flexibility to do something like this, and then still do something that feels vaguely like winter soldiery as well at the same time, like what they kind of did last week. So I think that there's plenty of room for good stuff and their ability to cherry pick all the best parts of the MCU really benefits them. And I think that this episode really demonstrates that. Yeah. I'm really excited to watch now. I was not all that enthused with the reveal of not Coulson. Um, I mean, like, other than, you know, enjoying the performer, but in getting to see him pl- play Sarge or this very different character could be fun. But I was like, oh, we're not even going to have an episode <laughs> without the actor. Okay. Um, but introducing that element of time cops of some sort is interesting. Have they followed up on the butterflies thing yet? No, they haven't explained that yet. And I, I, I'm worried it's just going to be a weird affectation for that character. But I would really hope that they explain it at some point. Fingers crossed. Um, but yeah, I'm looking forward. Like you said, the idea that space is weird and fun is, I think, a good one and a, an appropriate counter to some of the dourness that, um, especially with the Fitzsimmons, like, epic love across the stars thing. Like, I think something that they certainly benefit from a little weird. So, yeah, I'm glad to hear that. Another show that's trying to balance its tones, I would say, is certainly Elementary. And this week we have Gutshot. Of course, we also had the premiere last week. And they're trying to, like, the the fun and the caperiness of, of Holmes and Watson with this, like, raising of the stakes of, of having the, the captain shot. What what did you think of, I, first, the premiere, Noel? And did you feel like the this twist with the captain was enough of an motivating factor to get everybody back in new york or are you happy about that 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 kind of turn for the story or uh did it feel a little too on the nose uh so for the premiere yay tasman grieg as like a um as a dci um was just really good i really Mm -hmm. enjoyed that bit of casting and to see her sort of play against what is my perception of her type and so that was that was very enjoyable and but boo also in the premiere for wasting saffron burrows like that Mm -hmm. why would you cast saffron burrows in what could have been a really juicy delicious part and then just go 
yeah, no, it was Plastic Surgeon. It's just like, no, that's so boring. It's so boring show. Mm-hmm. Um, so I enjoyed the attempts to make us think that they were in London. Um, but at the same time going, that's just the brownstone set. You repainted it. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I liked that, those little bits of it. But I did appreciate that they didn't forget like character. And so this concept of Joan being a little unhappy in London and struggling to find a niche there, I really liked. And I really appreciated that sort of a concept. And I'm hoping that the tensions between the two of them, I'm saying tensions so much, you can just subtitle this, the episode (laughs) where Noel says tensions too much. Well, Um, every episode is the episode where I say delightful too much, so don't feel too bad. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Uh, But exploring the disconnect between um, Joan being unhappy in London and Sherlock being happy in London and then them having to go back I think it's something to explore as they kind of close out this season and allows them to also provide another ending since they already ended the show last year. Since they already did their like perfect ending. It was such a good ending. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's so perfect. It was so good. So having to sort of recalibrate that and find some new stuff. I think this group of writers and actors and the showrunner are up to that task. That being said... Killing, not killing, but putting Gregson in um, critical condition like this is sort of a cheap way to bring them back. But there is also literally no other way that you could bring them back short of putting Gregson or or Marcus in mortal peril. Like, that was literally going to be the only way. The only other way is somehow Natalie Dormer has taken over New York City. That was the only other way that they were going to do that. Unless they they're not going to get, yeah, they're not going to get Natalie Dormer back, which is such a shame. Oh, it would be so nice. Um, yeah, I'm not interested at all in uh, Sherlock hunts down a terror cell, which is yeah. looking like that's what this season's going to be, and that's a bit of a shame. Uh, I agree, it's super cheap, but I also agree that something like that, like you had to have something of the severity for them to. Uh, to, to, uh, given how successfully they <laughs> wrapped things up last season, you, it couldn't be anything less than this for us to buy in. So I understand. I feel feel for them of like where they were stuck with that. Um, yeah. The this episode was fine, but it didn't seem like it was at the usual level. Like some of the the leaps they were making were a bit much, and the yes. the confessions were just too tidy and even when they weren't supposed to be and uh yeah i'm hoping that there's some better stuff coming it feels like they're not quite on their a game yet uh the writing i should say the the actors are of course wonderful and they all look so fabulous as always there were some fun um there's some fun fun articles about the 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 costuming going or making the rounds frasbelina uh you know everyone's favorite uh Emma Frazier yeah. was wrote a piece for I think it was Vulture right about yep. the costuming um, on the show, but uh, yeah, it was uh, yeah. I still I I want like this is one of the most enjoyable shows on my docket. You know, when I see it it uh, showing up on the DVR, I'm excited to watch it first, even if it's three in the morning or two in the morning after my draggers review. I'm like, well, I gotta put my contacts in and like get ready for bed. I'll, I'll like just kind of watch it while I'm zombie like trying to get to sleep after my drag race review, which is when I first watched this and then had to 
rewatch it the next day because I couldn't remember anything I had seen. Um, but I, I just, I hope that they're able to recapture the level they were at at the end of last season. Yeah, I hope so too. And if they can't do that, then I need them to really commit to doing really good bits of business, like mm-hmm. character wise, that'll salvage it. And I mean, heart to heart conversations between Joan and Sherlock, but I also mean things like watching Johnny Lee Miller eat an ice cream cone. <laughs> because I, that was just so good in the premiere. Like, it's a very specific way that he came up with to eat an ice cream cone. But I also like want, even though now they're obviously like overseas, but it's just like, I want to see Sherlock and Archie interact way more. So much more. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I agree. Why did you get him an ice cream cone? Well, I'm his godfather. It's 10 in the morning. What is wrong with that? <laughs> <laughs> oh, good time. Good times. Um, any uh, anticipation over uh, the various uh, terror cell things? Do you think it's going to be like the whole season, or do you think they're going to break it into chunks again? Um, they only get. I think they're only getting thirteen, so they don't have the space to break it into chunks. And I don't think CBS is going to order another magic seven to eight episodes. Um, so I'm hoping that they just kind of resolve it really quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, but my feeling is, is that. You're correct, and this will be the season-long arc uh, that's interspersed between various other cases of the week. Yeah. Well, at least I will have those cases of the week to look forward to, and I'm excited for that. Um, Let's move on to our last episode of the week, and that is the finale of Killing Eve Season 2, Your Mind. Your your Mind. Um, So we ended Season 1 with... with, Eve stabbing Villanelle. We end this season with Villanelle shooting Eve. We know there's a season three coming, so she's gonna be fine. Um, and it's, and I think they also lampshaded that a bit earlier in the season when they had Villanelle pretend that she had intentionally missed Constantine um, and have him call her out on that. But um, this second season, uh, watching it back, like catching up this this week as I did, and watching it back to back and binging it, uh, it really s- suffers in comparison to the first season for me. It's nowhere near as compelling, and it feels much more contrived. Um, the, like things that seem out of character and are very clearly motivated just to get the characters to interact and to give us, uh, you know, a finale basically, or or to give us a reason for it to be these characters to be spending more time together. Um, that being said, this is a much more compelling way to get your hero on the team with the with the serial killer than than what we got in Hannibal. <laughs> so I was much more on board with Eve going to the dark side than I was with Will Graham going to the dark side. And um like which watching them in the art exhibit and and Villanelle just goes, I'm bored. I was like, oh my God, I love it. I love it so much. She's like the she's the anti Hannibal right now and it's so great. That that awareness, that level of awareness of other antecedents in this genre of like the cat and mouse or the the detective who's becoming obsessed with the killer who they're tracking, who's obsessed with them kind of thing, uh was so fun. And and while I don't think that season two has had the same intrigue and uh delicacy to the writing that season one had it still has been a lot of fun and i still enjoyed it yeah there was a lack of perspective here 
and a lack of something to say. I think to surround this other these two really compelling actors and also Fiona Shaw, who's mm-hmm. working real hard to get cast in a Mission Impossible movie. <laughs> <laughs> um Owen Comer are both so good and so perfectly in sync with one another that it covers up for a multitude of just what exactly are we doing this season type of things of, oh, he's got a weird informational data collecting thing. And it's a very half-hearted MacGuffin, I acknowledge, but the show's not even willing to put in enough effort to kind of try to make everyone care because they, it's just so cloaked in secrecy until literally episode seven. And then you find out what it is and it's just like, oh, he's just got a really super duper Facebook. Okay. So without like a strong spine on which to hang a number of things, it just becomes a desire to like try to get these two together as much as possible to the point where things feel a little contrived. Um, or when they do little good callbacks, like this idea of the ghost being an ethnic woman who dresses in servicers clothing that allows her to literally go anywhere, which is how Eve is able to infiltrate, um, tech billionaires mansion super easily. Um, provides a little bit of insight but it also says doesn't push anywhere it doesn't push an idea of racial or class or anything it's just kind of there and it's really frustrating to see that because it's ripe for all these sorts of discussions and it's not willing to push those and even when it's getting to the point of eve suddenly kind of maybe getting on board with what uh, Villanelle is all about, it doesn't quite work. Um, if in no small part because this this ending, this cliffhanger ending that, again, is supposed to echo the premiere, uh, last season finale, is less intimate. And it has a less sort of immediacy in a lot of ways uh, because of like the distance, the literal distance, and but also the impersonality of a gun versus... A knife versus an axe. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was really glad Raymond came back because I feel like that entire scene is why you cast that actor and then you just worked everything else backwards um, because he's real good in that scene and his face is really, really good in that whole sequence. So it's just, yes, I do think that they do a compelling way of getting Eve on board, but also of demonstrating those tensions, but it just... It felt like a really long wind-up to get here without saying or doing anything particularly good or interesting. I think that there's some okay stuff when Villanelle's in the uh, Addiction Anonymous support group, uh, when she actually like kind of tells the truth. But I just, there's not a lot there there in this season. So I'm really hoping that season three has a perspective and something to say, as opposed to kind of coasting on... It's two leads and their immense amount of chemistry. Yeah, I I absolutely agree on, about the uh, the lack of subtext and a larger conversation that the the season wants to have. Um, I did like though the while I agree about the the, the baddie 
for lack of a better word, I do think the reveal at the end of the season that, like, no, uh, Fiona Shaw like, wasn't just not pulling Eve because Eve is the lead of the TV show. She was like, oh, she's obsessed with her? It's going to lead to something bad happening? Great. That works wonderfully with my plans. That was great. <laughs> it was a very nice surprise and something that I wish that more of these shows would do. Um to to explain why our heroes who are clearly too, you're, you're too close to this aren't being pulled um from the case but um yeah it was i would have liked to see like i feel like v- villanelle got nice clothes way too soon this season and i feel like you can trace that to when the season starts to like lose some of its energy and excitement like things got comfortable for her way too quickly and if she had like if if there were like two or three more episodes of her in pajamas or having to wear really shitty clothes (laughs) before going back into the fold with these different handlers i I feel like there would have been it would have been a more satisfying season and and there would have been less what feels like back and forth kind of filler as we're waiting for them to get to the point where they knew they wanted to end the season um yeah, I was very surprised when she's back in fabulous attire by, like, episode three or four. I was like, but she lost all, all of her money. Okay. Okay. I also think there was one too many back and forths with Constantine. Uh, and and that, they, like, she, he shouldn't... Like, I think there's just too much um, backroom stuff that we don't know um, for why these characters are still around. Several of the characters are still around when it really should just be that... Um, they're gone now. We like the actor, we like the character, but it doesn't make sense for them to still be in this world, so now they're gone. Yeah, and I think that there are ways of trying to do that by, like, I guess manipulating Villanelle and Eve into sort of maybe trying to work together for this one thing to catch this guy. There's just too many weird, like you said, backroom sort of machinations that you were filling in the blank as opposed to the show sort of be like, yeah, no, that was the plan the entire time. Cause the plan the entire time uh, at, in this episode, I think works really well of, Oh, she killed him. Well, that's just dandy. And it actually being just dandy is I think really good, but the rest of it just, there's too much. What are we trying to do here? Type of stuff. Or, why is he here? Well, to remind us that he's fuck buddies with with Carolyn? Is like is that what it is? And I mean, Kenny just really needs to move out. He needs to move out. <laughs> he so needs to move out. Absolutely. I kept waiting for them to like reveal that Constantine was his dad or something. Yeah. And I think yeah. we're all waiting for that. Yeah. I um, really hope they don't do that. I think that the one thing that uh tellingly we haven't discussed is the fact that the show is so not invested in Nico that his whole being trapped in a storage locker is left to a killing Eve will be back in 45 seconds on BBC America. <laughs> yeah. It's, they didn't even care that he was trapped with a dead body. Yeah. Yeah. And that's been something that, it was something that frustrated me about the end of last season was the lack of care about that character from Eve, but also from the show. And I think that, I don't know. I 
I appreciate what they're trying to do in this season, but I don't think that they, I think they fell into that in the same way here. And uh, if he's back next season, I, I would rather he's just not back next season or they come up, they decide early what they want to do with him and they commit to it. And, uh, and it's something other than be the, the spouse who feels like uh, Eve is slipping away from him, you know, which is all he did. All season. And that's something, again, we've seen so many times in, in this kind of show. And I would hope that they have something more creative up their sleeves. Because um, next season we'll have a new showrunner. That's part of the model of the show as well. And so it'll be interesting to see what the new showrunner brings. But, yeah, this went from can't miss in season one to in, like, one of the most exciting shows on TV to... Like, it's still really, like, got really great performances and has a lot of really great things going for it. But you can just binge it in a weekend and you'll be fine. You don't need to savor it. At least I, I didn't feel like I did. Yeah, and walking, watching it week to week increasingly felt like a little bit of a slog. So mm-hmm. I think yeah. you you did better than I did on this one. Yeah, the binge definitely, I could tell as I was watching it that the binge definitely helped. It, it amplified the comedy and the fun and the excitement and energy and it let you ignore some of the frustrations so i would say that yeah if you're behind feel free to binge um well that's maybe not the cheeriest way to head into a engineer week in tv but what wins your week in tv uh probably the what we do in the shadows finale uh it was very funny it was very silly and we got one last we got one last gasp of jake mcdormand um, <laughs> before he got so decapitated uh, again just like every time <laughs> mm-hmm. uh what about you what one your week Shit's creek it's not yeah. even close it's so good and i wish i could play tina turner for our week in tv but it aired years ago so i can't and like i don't want to say more because when you watch it it'll be spoiled for you so just, you got you, you listen to your person start from the beginning watch the show it's so good so good. I know your person wants to watch it with you because she told me. So you should do that when you have time. Meanwhile, I know I have a giant list of shows that you've told me I should watch that I haven't watched yet. So I need to call the leg store and buy a, f- a few to stand on. But still, <laughs> um, highly recommended. Okay. Now we'll take a break, listen to a trailer for season two of Fleabag and come back with our season spotlight on season two of Fleabag. We'll be right back after this. <laughs> You know when you've done everything? And you've even... Do you want to have sex? No. And you feel great. And even though your sister still hates you... Thank you. You're pretending to be friends because your dad is... I'm joking, he's just there. Here's to love. So why do you think your father suggested you come for counselling? Because I spent most of my adult life using sex to deflect from the screaming void inside my empty heart. I'm good at this. You close with your family? Is that fair? Yes, but it's okay because it had a stroke. Lovely. (laughs) We get on with it. Hi. Thought you'd be in prison by then. Oh, well, I'll keep trying, but they just won't have me. (laughs) You look uh, strong. I won't. I don't do that anymore. What? You want to go and have sex? I'm better. 
That was the trailer for season two of Phoebe Waller-Bridge's Fleabag, which is currently available on Amazon Prime. The season has six episodes, each a half an hour. And uh, season one of Fleabag was really well uh, respected and reviewed and, and it was acclaimed, won a bunch of awards. We loved it. Everybody loved it. I mean, I didn't love it as much as everybody else. But I was about to say, I really liked it. One. I was yeah. the one who was like, no, it's good. But I mean, I feel like you guys are a bit overboard with it um which is probably why it took me until like halfway through the week to watch this unlike everybody else i know who either had watched screeners like three times before it even premiered um or had like immediately watched it when it was released on last week friday um but i gotta say season two is better than season one uh, it's it's for me it's significantly better and i've really enjoyed this i think i'm on board with everybody i i i don't know if i love it as unabashedly as some do but i think it's really terrific and it hit me in a way that season one didn't so the way that people were talking about season one i didn't experience but the way they're talking about season two i am on board so i'm curious are you where i am with this one or have we swapped so we definitely maybe switched just a little bit, but it's not the show's fault, and it's not it's not the show's fault. It's very much the fault of everyone was very, very hyped about this season after they watched it, and I did not have an opportunity to start watching it until a little bit later into the week. And as a result of like knowing, oh my god, no, it's so good, <laughs> and me just going like, oh, okay. And then the thing is, is that it is actually so really good, but I think I also just got overhyped a little bit. Mm -hmm. And so I just, some of it was a little lower than I was maybe anticipating, but that I think is the hype machine being an issue and not the show being an issue because it's really good. It's really powerful. It's really beautiful encapsulation of a number of things and that ending is just just it's just really good and i hope that they don't ruin it by doing a third season well then that's curious because you know and i think that's very interesting because i had such a muted reaction to season one when everybody's losing their minds i was like yes i believe you but also I have a feeling I won't like it as much as you do so it was really easy for me to just tamp down those expectations um for me fleabag really uh this season was so much more interesting for me because it moved beyond, like, I felt like season one was too centered on, oh, what's this mystery? What's this thing she's not telling us? And, like, this big reveal. And I figured out the reveal, like, in the first or second episode. And so then it just felt very, like, precious, you know, every time they would hint at sure. it. Sure, yeah. Whereas this season could just be informed by that. And there was a, I got a, like, just watching it, there was just a jolt of electricity um, that came with the introduction of this priest character who, uh, you know, having been raised Catholic, that there's a whole other conversation to have around that character and that, and, and um, I found myself having actually really 
very strong thoughts, uh, like feelings about abuse of power and and all of this. Like it's a really interesting character for me. Like the whole thing with with the confessional was just so vehemently, violently wrong um, uh-huh. that it was really. I was just like, oh well, he's a piece of shit. I can't even like get on board this shipping thing because of this clear abuse of power. Um, and then, and then that gets diffused and then leads to other things. You know what I mean? Like I could really engage with that character and what it meant for, for the show and for Fleabag. Um, and the fact that clearly he's have, like, he also has his own show, you know, there's a completely different, like sister show that is just about him. You know, that she shows up in season two for. And there's enough there in that performance and in that character that I would be absolutely interested to see what his story was and how he got to where he is. And I, I think that's Those damn foxes. I know, right? Those damn foxes. Uh, this is also the most I've liked that actor in quite a while. I'm not a fan right? of his yeah, Moriarty. No. I'm not a fan of, yeah. of several of the other points I've seen for me. Like, I can tell that he's good, but just it's very bold choices that I haven't always liked. And that's a combination of the actor and the producer and the directors and everybody. Um, but for me, like when that character is introduced and he knows about the asides, like mm-hmm. it was, I was just like, I it was a, just a jolt of electricity watching. He's like, wait, where did you go? Like the fact that he can see the, like, it was I went from being like, okay, we get it. We get the asides. Again, it's it's what a very clever conceit and very, like, on the nose, you know, like, okay, everybody loves it. I'm not as on board as everybody else. To instantly pivoting to, oh, my God, I love it. I'm obsessed. I'm obsessed with the fact that this one person can tell about the asides. And it probably helps that I rewatched the last, like, five episodes of Crazy Ex-Girlfriend this last weekend, too, and the way that that finale mm-hmm. ends with Donna. Um, but it just... I I loved what that said. All that coming together in my that viewing, right? And the and the binging of all that stuff. The way it all came together for these characters really for me elevated what was a interesting performance, an interesting character, but uh one that did I didn't quite connect with before to one that I just I can't wait to have a second to do some rewatching or to tell the people to to check out this um, this season and and to to read some write write ups and reviews and stuff. Uh, so yeah, I, I'm I'm curious. Was it like was there a particular element that didn't work as well for you this season, or uh, how did you feel about the that character? Was that character as big a, a factor in your appreciation of the season uh, for you, the priest character, as it was for me, or did you connect to other parts? What what did you think? Right. So I think Andrew Scott, like you said, is the best I've seen him here in part because. He's just really delightfully open. And I think that's really kind of like the key thing that's happening here as a performer is that he's very, very open with um, the performance, but also with depicting this priest as someone who struggles with where he is and isn't sure about everything that he's doing, which is a very sort of tired way of of talking about a priest, especially like a hot priest that's kind of edgy. Um, doesn't wear the collar all the time, um, all this sort of stuff. Um, but that also has that sort of immediate connection to Fleabag as well and recognizes it. And so much so that he 
spots the asides and that she goes somewhere else and is talking to someone else. And I think that there's, like you said, there's that jolt of that recognition that he's able to enter her world, basically. And while he isn't able to address that world directly, he's aware of it. And I, there's that <laughs> there's that great thing that feels like an outtake because Wait, of how spontaneous, where he turns at the camera and goes, ah! And you see Fleabag just like drop and just like break. And you can't tell if it's Fleabag surprised that he did that or Phoebe Waller-Bridge surprised that Andrew Scott did that. And they just kept it in because it works so perfectly of like a as like a spontaneous moment of something that happened of him just really addressing the really addressing the camera and by extension us and or whomever he she considers her friend and we can get into that because it's worth unpacking because of that scene with Fiona Shaw plus how the finale ends but I think a lot of the appreciation for this season boils down to the fact that Scott is just performing this really open character who is just really honest in what he's going through and isn't necessarily hiding a whole lot in the same way that Fleabag kind of plays things close to the chest um, or is struggling to provide a vocalization for how she's feeling to someone else that isn't us or is willing to be honest to the hot misogynist who made her come nine times. And it's legitimately the best sex I've ever had, but you need to go. (laughs) (laughs) And you just needed to hear that. And now he'll actually listen to what she's saying. Yeah. Right. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That moment where he breaks the fourth wall was like one of the most electrifying moments of TV this year for me. It's it's so great. And by the way, Game of Thrones, this is how you do it. Not with, you know, the battle of the fuck boys and what's in space yelling about killing Jamie Lannister. Oh my god. Uh it, and it's it's just this tiny moment where he can glimpse and then immediately loses it, right? And yeah. and it's not a connection he can maintain, but what a wonderful wonderful depiction of a priest or someone in the clergy the, yeah. to to be that open and to be because he is his job his calling in life is to help people right that to to guide them and to help them through what they're struggling with and the way he does that is through his understanding of his faith and his understanding and belief in god and his openness to to a higher power and that lets him be this open and to what she's experiencing and, and, and this perceptive, what a fascinating interpretation of that kind of a character. And also so clearly very flawed. Like, obviously, the guy's got some drinking issues, right? He's yes. constantly drunk uh, or drinking. And Pam's uh, not going to like all this noise, guys. Pam's not going to be happy. <laughs> oh, my God, Pam. Yeah. Yeah, there was some, like, I just was thinking, of course, of Moon Boy and Godfellas, uh, which is 
the the most accurate depiction I've ever seen to my to 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 my church going experience. Uh, gr- growing up, just its depiction of like the musicians and the altar serves and everything like that. Like there was so, some moments of of connection there too as I was watching watching this. But um, just I've never seen this kind of a depiction of a religious figure or a leader, a spiritual leader, you know? And I don't know how accurate it is. I don't know how many people there are out there like that. I've never met a priest that felt like that. But I think it's really, again, really fascinating, really compelling uh, and really interesting. And so certainly, um, certainly, it's, I'm not surprised that that's, you know, that's what got me in. And this is the only kind of, you can only have this kind of character in a season two, you know, you can't have the, this kind of character in a season one. Um, so having, so like the only person who can see what she, this, these asides are, that she's doing is someone who is actively looking for them. It's someone who is, who has lots of his own things going on, but is actively ignoring them to try to seek out what other people are dealing with in a way that nobody else in her life is. Everyone else in her life is very circled by their own issues and their own insecurities and their own uh, struggles that they have. So yeah, it's, uh, it was just so exciting to watch that, those interactions and to like, to, to see her so unsettled, to see Fleabag so unsettled. Uh, and, and that takes me right to Phoebe Waller-Bridge, who, of course, is the creator and the writer. And, and did I don't think the director of these, but certainly the star. And she's amazing. We all know this, but she's amazing. She is. Uh, and, and no, not the director, but she wrote everything. Um, each of the episodes. Um, no, she's just really, really good. And you you have to be. like it. It's one of those instances where the writer being the lead actor is a good thing mm-hmm. because it means no i know exactly what tone this needs to be and mm-hmm. you don't have to like totally work through it you you do need to work through it because you need to work through it with everyone else that's on the set um but it's no 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 no. i know exactly what we're going to do type of thing here and i think that that just makes a world of difference yeah yeah it, it... The character is so specific and the mm-hmm. like the balance for her is so important. Like it would be so easy to to put her too far towards one side or the other. And I think actually this season maybe tips her a little too close to perfect um, that you need to have s- such a deep understanding of the character. You know, that, that that connection between the writing and the performance is so essential for this kind of a character. So, of course, you know, I don't I don't think anybody else could give that performance or could write the show. So, yeah. Um, rather than me just going on and on and on about these two characters, there's a whole other range of characters happening here. What did you think of Claire this season? <sighs> oh, Claire's haircut. That whole scene. Oh, my God. In the salon. <laughs> Let's show her the receipts. <laughs> <laughs> Show her, show her the reference image. Oh, come on, Claire. Like, it's exactly, exactly what you asked for. <laughs> and, well, it's, it's significantly less clean looking, but it's also because it's a wig. Yeah. Um, but it's it's exactly what she asked for. So I really appreciate it. But also capping it off with, see you next week. And it's just like, oh, it's very good. No, I really liked Claire. Um, and I really liked Claire and Claire. 
<laughs> um, mm-hmm. It's just such a silly thing to do, but it also just kind of fits really firmly in the show. Um, but a lot of this just rests on the rests on the fact that Brett Gelman is really good at playing these characters. Oh, he's the and goddamn worst. Oh, it's, he's, he's, he's just so the good. worst. And he's so good at playing these awful, awful, awful human beings. But I think that this, more than anything, is also like the best encapsulation of an awful human being who's also just deeply, deeply wounded and pathetic. Mm-hmm. Like, you can feel a degree, a modicum of empathy for this guy, but he just keeps ruining it. He just keeps preventing you from doing it. And that, I really appreciate that, but at the same time, Martin's face when Claire leaves is just also really good because it's just like, oh, well, yeah, I fucked up too much this time. And mm-hmm. I think that there's something really good there, but also the acknowledgement of the fact that no, Claire is making the right decision. Even even the cre- even even the creepy bassoonist agrees. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That was great. I like that he was actually. He sounds pretty good on the bassoon. He wasn't. They didn't make him comedically terrible or a, like a virtuoso. Yeah. You know, I think that thought that was nice. Yeah. Um, having making that moment dimensional when he lashes out and says mm-hmm. some very valid things i thought was a great choice um yes. and just because he's he is f-ing terrible he is the goddamn worst and she needs to run run away from him um but that doesn't mean he's not also a human being and that he isn't coming from someplace and that makes it harder that makes it so much harder to stick to for her to stick to her gut like you could understand why she stayed with him for so long even though she needed to run away a long time earlier i i thought the choice and language of you have to leave me as yeah. opposed to i'm leaving you was so interesting um yeah but uh so it says a lot about claire but uh but, but and yeah I also but that could have also been like a financial thing mm-hmm. oh well so, the, well but, yeah i suppose yeah. But uh, but still, just the that that scene is he again. He's just terrible. And Gelman, but Gelman then sells like for a second. You find yourself going, "Wait, am I like on board with this guy?" For no, no. Oh, what am I doing? He's horrible. He's just terrible. And that his son is screwed. And like, oh, at least his son knows he's screwed. But like, oof. Yeah, it, it's it's really very well done. That haircut scene. I mean. I think I think a lot of people, um, in, at least in the U.S., I think most men don't know what that experience is like, uh, and and I think that's a shame because I think it's so easy for people who don't know what that experience is like to to say, oh, you're overreacting. It's just a haircut. Who cares? All these different things. And I, and I used to feel like that a bit too. I could like, I could connect with it a little bit, but, but not that much. And then I dyed my hair red for Halloween one year. Um, and had a real moment of just body dysmorphia uh-huh. stepping out of the shower. Uh, or like when I rinsed out, you know, cause it was just one of those like really cheap buy out of the store kind of things and i just like, looked in the mirror and did not recognize my reflection and it f***ed me up you know and i've also had um so like and i had to like look 
shake shake it off look away and then look back and see my face and then it was okay um and i also uh have had a haircut that where the person didn't listen to me and did not cut enough off and it was like a slow grind to getting starting like a little upset and then just getting angrier and angrier and angrier until i went to, and like later in the day and just got it cut somewhere else for someone who would listen to what i wanted and actually gave me very cute stylish bob but um it it's really powerful it like that emotion it's really deep emotion and it comes from a lifetime of being defined by how you look and by your appearance and equating um power and status and beauty and worth in your appearance and all the coded language that goes with hair um, and and what that says about you and all these different things that build up over a lifetime. So I loved the balance they found in that in that moment for her of like it's hilarious, it's absolutely hilarious. But also, I could so relate <laughs> to how she was feeling. It was such a clear cry for help, and like and this desperate her telling her she desperately needs change in her life and this is like like and then immediately regretting it and all these other like it was so well done and it while also like it was very powerful like on that level and the character level and also just straight up ridiculous and hilarious and i just i love the way they balance that (laughs) no the speech is really good and it's a much better speech than what they give um kristen scott thomas with Mm -hmm. that just sack full of gender essentialism um that it's that is not a good speech but this is a very good speech that speaks to a number of identity issues and that works very very well in really encapsulating everything that claire is going through here and how it's supposed to work and then summing it all up really nicely with the fact that Fleabag's hair has to be Fleabag's hair as well at the same time. Of like, It's how we identify her in a number of ways. And I think that there's just, even to the point where all we see of Fleabag is the back of her head at, in the wedding portrait. Like, mm-hmm. that's how important like it is. It's, like, it's a nice little way of so, kind of connecting that thread a little bit of, yeah, no, this is how we're connecting. It's not even just her face is being obscured, but now it's only her we can only identify her by her hair. And that happens basically within the same episode. Um, No, like an episode apart where we finally see the finished product. But I think that there's a really good through line there that the show hits really nicely. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, How about everyone's favorite bitch, Olivia Coleman? I feel like they toned her down just a little bit, Mm -hmm. but at the same time, she... When after Hot Priest is like, yeah, I can't perform the wedding, and she's <laughs> losing her. She's very mind. understanding. She's very <laughs> understanding initially, and then just completely breaks down. And then as just as soon as he's out of the house, <laughs> yeah, and just like horribly, horribly, and it's all off screen, which is something else I really, really appreciate from like a like directing choices that we don't even get to see her kind of break down. And then she just storms off and shouts, "Um, what is it? Like I need to paint or something like that." No, no, no. It's how she tells Fleabag's dad to get rid of them, to get them out of the house. Mm-hmm. Um, it's this really imperious way, and I forget the phrasing because it's like really, really perfect. And it's very based on like, 
it's like dismiss them or get them out of here or something of like, it just oozes the contempt that she has for both of these women. Mm-hmm. And it's real good. Yeah. I also loved what we got with the dad and that the little scene with the trap up in the attic. I was so worried yeah. they were going to kill him at, that she was going to find him dead because of the, the premiere flash to the funeral. I was like, yes. oh, yeah. then I'm so grateful that they didn't do that. Yeah, I was too. Um, I I figured it was, I, I think that they had made that clear enough that it was like um, Boo's funeral, but uh, mm-hmm. But no, it wasn't Boo's funeral, it was their mom's funeral. But yeah, I appreciate that, that they made it clear about what was going on earlier than rather than playing out the same thing that they did in the season one. Yeah, no, I just was like worried it was going to be a twist and then it would be oh. like, oh, see, we were teasing it the whole time. Ah. Uh, yeah, so I was very glad that when that didn't happen. I also um, like... To uh, I I really like that actor. He's uh, terrific on Outlander, um, though I imagine he won't be back uh, g- given the change in locales. Uh, but uh, he's he's super fun over there, and I I really enjoy him here. For Olivia Coleman, as soon as like you feel like she's been toned down, then you get that horribly yep. bitchy thing she says about the the mother with this about the statues. Like, oh, this thing you just yes. gave me back. It was a little piece of your mother. So thanks for it back. Um, Oh gosh, she's just so horrible. But again, believably horrible. Horrible yes. in a way that you can understand why the dad is marrying her. Um nah, I don't know about that. I think but. I think they did I be- absolutely when she says and I love your father. I absolutely believed her. Um I just think we like I would have liked to see more of the father loving her. Yeah. And I still don't think they've quite yeah. earned that part of it. Yeah, saying she's not everyone's cup of tea is a massive understatement because we don't get to see her as his cup of tea. Mm-hmm. So that's true. That's true. Um, were there any other highlights of the season for you? Any other uh, parts you wanted to make sure to touch on? Um. Well, I. Yeah, I just. I really appreciated the ending a lot of her walking away from us. Yeah. And that, which is why they can't do a third season of like, it has to be like a major crisis that she comes back to us because she leaves us there. She leaves us at the bus stop, the bus that's never going to show up. Mm -hmm. Um, She just leaves us behind. And I think that's just really significant because of, to demonstrate like this idea of growth, because when Fiona Shaw, this brilliant little bit as a therapist, um, Asks her if she has anyone she confides in. She just glances mm-hmm. at us. And, but the degree to which she's beginning to remove us from her life, like this idea that she's not going to let us see us have sex mm-hmm. with hot priest. But, oh, good, we're going to see her have sex with hot misogynist. Um, I think it's just really kind of telling about, like, the degree of growth and this idea that, all right. I figured out this concept of love and that speech at the, that he gives as sort of like the service of like loving very, very hard. Um, And I think it's just a really good way of summing everything up for this season, but also very specifically summing up how Fleabag feels about us and this idea of like, all right, I've loved you and it's time for you to leave now. And it's time for me to leave because 
I need to do something else. I need to be this person who doesn't rely on you anymore. And I think that that's just really potent and really powerful. And the way in which they've built up that trope, and also by having Hot Priest be able to see us, um, or not see us, but know that we're kind of there in the same way that he knows God is there, I think is also the exact sort of best way of summing it up. And it was just really powerful that walking away, plus the little wave yeah. that she gives, um, was also yeah. just really, it's, really good. It's a she's breaking she's up. She's breaking with us. up with us, Kate. Yeah, and, and she hurts. needs some time away. I guess that's maybe that's how I think of it. I feel like she uh-huh. needs some time away, and I would be super. I can. I can. I would be happy for a season three. And I don't think she needs to be unhealthy yes. for us to see a season three. But I think that it needs to be different. It would have to be different. But I feel like, I mean, if she wants to do it, Waller Bridge has shown that, you know, there's plenty that she can bring to this. That, you know, as soon as as soon as she has an idea for what she wants to do for season three, I'm there with bells on, certainly. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I would be too. I just don't want it. <laughs> well, you know, I didn't want season two of Barry, and from all accounts, season two of Barry has been excellent. So that's another one on my list to catch up with. Um, but uh, yeah. yeah, it's just so, and I, I also really like that the store is just doing well, and we don't spend much time there. But it, like, I love that little early scene of like, oh, it's going great, it's going great. No, really, it is actually going great. And <laughs> uh, it, like this, I've got chatty Wednesdays now. <laughs> Yeah, um, it, it was it was uh, in like this idea getting breaking away from the the failing in your career, but successful in your relationships or vice versa. You know that they we don't even worry about that, and is so much of this is just prompted by a change in her life. The whole season is just prompted by a change in her life, which is the introduction of this priest character, um, and the stress surrounding yeah. the father's marriage. Um, yeah, it's really. Yeah, it's just, it, I just I was blown away by this season. I feel like I've been very uh, I've been not eloquent at all in talking about it, but the the way that this season has her grapple with her identity and her um, guilt and her ability to forgive herself um, and be seen. By her sister, by her father, by by Hot Priest, who I don't remember his name. I'm just going to keep calling him Hot Priest. No, uh, that's that's his name. Oh, that Hot is Priest. his name. He okay. Have a name. Okay, good. I feel better now. <laughs> it, it was really, it was really compelling. So yeah, well done to the team over at Fleabag, and I look forward to all of the podcasts and think pieces that I will go look up now that we've talked about it. <laughs> Yeah, same, same. Yeah. Well, that wraps up our discussion of Fleabag Season 2. I, th- I feel safe to say we both recommend it. Yes. Um, uh, listeners, if you show notes here at the end of the episode, you can find a post for this episode over at theteleverse.org where you can leave us a comment and let us know what you thought of the week's TV. You can like our page on Facebook and start up a conversation there. You can email us at televerse at gmail.com. We're up in iTunes with an M4A chaptered feed and an MP3 unchaptered feed. We'd appreciate ratings and reviews there as well as over on Stitcher. And, of course, we're both on Twitter. I am at the Televerse and Noel, you are? At Noel RK. Thank you so much for a great week, Kate. Thank you, Noel. And thank you, everyone, for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode of the Televerse. (laughs) 